Victoria, a very good big hello to you. Ooh, a big one. A big one, a massive one. A oh, I'm quite hungry. Hello. I'd like a big hello. I'm sure you would. <laughs> You're always hungry. Am I? I'm particularly I... hungry because I've whizzed from the gym. But you told me you're obsessed with food. I wazzed at the gym. Oh, no, that's the wrong thing to say. <laughs> that's the wrong we expression. I thought we were going to talk about your incontinence later. <laughs> okay, everyone, let that wet to your appetite. <laughs> what were you what is it your what? daughter calls you? <laughs> Mrs. Pissy Pants. Except it's Mrs. Pithy Pants because she's got a list. <laughs> if it's Mythiv. Mythiv Pithy Pants. <laughs> anyway, apart from being... A little bit damp in the gusset. How are we? <laughs> I'm always damp in the gusset when I see you, Ben. Oh, nobody <laughs> wants to think about but that. Only for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how's your bye week been? My bye week has been good. So my little small um, business, we had a big exhibition last weekend and that went fabulously, amazingly well with getting... It was really nice, actually. I'm going to say this is maybe if you're really positive and upbeat... Which I know oh, is no. something that's been preying on you for your mind, <laughs> which is because it was actually great to get into an exhibition scenario with sort of the stuff that we were exhibiting and talking to people and meeting customers and the world of Ben. This is Ben's world. Everybody milling around. It just felt normal. And you know, it wasn't a super spreader event. Nobody I know has got COVID. It's just all good. It feels like we are getting back to normal and really, really. Oh, yeah, you're really gonna go get COVID now. Well, if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. You know, what is what's gonna happen? I'll get better. You know, I've had I've been vaccinated and you know, most I just don't get want better. it from the sake of feeling like a loser. Because oh, I managed okay. to avoid it and they'll be like, Oh, not now. But a it's co-loser. just co loser. <laughs> Oh, talking of... Co- oh! I've got colon on the mind today. You what have is got that, colon then? on the mind. And that is because we've both been enjoying Manhunt, have we not? Have we not? Hang oh, on, should we yes. say who we are? Okay, I'm Ben Ando. Oh, no, I'm Victoria Mitzi. <laughs> I'm Ben Ando's friend. He told me to say that because he wants everyone to know. And I'm Ben Ando and I'm Victoria's frenemy. <laughs> and we co-present this gig... <laughs> Everybody needs somebody to hate. <laughs> oh, can we, our merch opportunities just drift by, don't they? Like poo sticks. <laughs> poo sticks. What, what merch do you want? Do you want a t-shirt? Oh, everybody, that says, everybody needs, needs someone to, to hate. hate. <laughs> Someone's going to go and do it now because we never get around to doing anything. But I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm a podcaster. I'm a journalist. I'm a. Oh, I don't. I'm a secret lemonade drinker <laughs> and a mother in a, a you know countryside real... lover now trivia that most i think most people listening to this probably do know this piece of trivia but you might not which is that the real secret lemonade drinker from the original ad in the 1970 in the 1970s was elvis costello's dad what how yeah. the guy in that ad is the father of declan mcmanus who is of course elvis costello I don't of know what course. his name is. So. I thought you were going to say a little known fact was that I've graced the front of Take a Break magazine. <laughs> I thought it was Titbits. <laughs> you just made up Titbits because you wanted to say no, the word tit. Titbits is a real magazine, I promise you. <laughs> just it's like, the kind of magazine was, you read. What was the one you were reading? <laughs> oh, Better. Better. That was the one that I wanted to sell my exclusive. Oh, I can't talk. Look, I'm doing was a it, Daffy Duck. Exclusive. Did they used to be one called Woman and Home? 
Oh, that yeah, there was there it's was a whole empire because they house... were all an umbrella. Take a break and all of that were underneath. Good some housekeeping. Big title. I mean, Woman and Home is hardly a mag that's likely to fly off the shelves now, is it? I don't know. What we were talking about is uh, many male individuals being fans of um, of broadcasters who are perhaps in a certain stage of life. <laughs> what well, a stage of life that you are rapidly approaching. Oh, the only thing out of all of that is that I'm absolutely boiling all the time. Since I had a baby, I'm boiling all the time. But apparently, it's nothing to do with that. So you're not menopausal mitts. No. Oh, <laughs> you'd like me to be, but I'm youthful and gorgeous. Mood swings, mitts. <laughs> well, I've always been that. <laughs> it. Yeah. I did have an exciting opportunity that I may reveal to you at some stage. Okay, this is is this your tidbits photo opportunity? Sorry, no, take a break. <laughs> Tidbit sounds really like a jazz mag. It does. It, it honestly wasn't. Look at oh. it. Google it. Is it TID? T, no, it's T-I-T-B-I-T-S, tidbits. A tidbit is a small morsel of something Let's see. If we, if we can find Linda Evangelista, Evangelista in tidbits, shall we? I'm sure she was in tidbits. Bet she did the cover. She had to take a break <laughs> after I did. <laughs> was it, were these in the days when you wouldn't get out of bed for less than, well, 10 quid? Oh, I like the fact that you value, value me so highly. Things have changed. What's going it, on? Was, what do you was, want? Was, was it Cindy Turlington? Was it? Um, it was Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford, who yeah. said, "I don't get out of bed for less than ten thousand. Oh, I don't know which one of them said it, but they were lovely, weren't they? Yeah. So, what did she? What would she get into bed for? Matron, take them away. <laughs> they don't say that bit. Although, <laughs> I'd quite like to do. We were talking about scoops. I quite like to do a scoop on how many models I know when I was uh, in the biz. Of, well, not not that they were in the biz of being cornered, and it was said, you know, we've finalised you on this deal or this contract or whatever it was, and if you don't do this, you are going to lose it. And that happened to a lot of girls. I so, know. what are you exactly saying? Who would say what to who, and who would they be expected to do things with? Photographers, uh, businessmen as well, people who would just sort of hang around castings and uh, make it known to the girls that there were certain castings that if you weren't put out you wouldn't get the job and you knew it and there wasn't a point of going to them so I avoided those jobs because I wouldn't do that and what did that invariably mean <laughs> now I'm turning up at the jobs and they don't want me <laughs> <laughs> oh please no, no, no they'll give you the job if you promise not to put out <laughs> Just go away. Put me in a Dove advert for, for larger have, ladies. You, you can have the job, just for God's sake, keep your pissy pants on. <laughs> it's for tenor. <laughs> tenor ladies. I'm, I'm the new face of tenor. You're in Conti pants. I won't get out of bed for less than a tenor. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> oh, God, and that leads us nicely onto the Night Stalker. You can't get it? out of bed unless you're wearing your tenor. <laughs> <laughs> segues into the night stalker it does lead us nicely into the night stalker and manhunt and our old 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 friend colin sutton you're who, old course... you're good friends with him yeah well like. i mean when i was crime reporter I, I, I developed a really good relationship with colin i think he's a really great guy and i really really enjoyed you know we went for dinner a couple of times i really enjoyed his company he's he's entertaining company and he's he's a really interesting police officer because he quite clearly is somebody who had a capacity to, I suppose, think out of the box. He was somebody who 
was able to approach problems in a slightly different way to most of his colleagues. I suspect, I, I don't know this, but I suspect that a lot of police training, probably a bit like military training, is designed to um, encourage you to adopt best practice. But of course, that in one way, that's a good thing, because obviously everybody should be doing best practice. In another way, it can be a trap, because there comes a point where maybe sometimes best practice isn't the best way to actually catch a particular criminal. And sometimes you need to do things a little bit differently. And I think, I mean, we'll come on to talk about this a bit more. One of the interesting things about Manhunt is the way that, and, and we kind of knew this happened and Colin had told me about this himself, but seeing it dramatized. And of course, when somebody tells you something, it's very difficult. It's very different, I should say, to watching a dramatized version of those, those events playing out. And I think that's why, even though I knew the story, I talked to Colin about it, interviewed him, covered it at the time. I think watching the drama has been really interesting for me because I know that Colin was heavily involved in it. I know that he was a, a consultant on the series. He will have talked to the scriptwriters about exactly, you know, who said what in certain um, locations, what people were wearing, where they were standing, what what would the office look like, all that kind of detail. And so what you're watching there is possibly um, the closest that they could come to recreating the exact events and seeing how Colin was quite a, a for quite a lot of the investigation he f clearly felt frustrated as as did the rest of the investigation team because this guy this guy um you know the night stalker seemed almost to be able to um carry out his offenses which were let's remember pretty revolting offenses can as well, i cut in there and just give a bit of background on it yeah, because, yeah okay, and, and the reason why we've chosen yeah, yeah, this is that there's another a new series of ITV's Manhunt on our screens at the moment. And um, Ben and I have been watching it and really enjoying it, of course, because of our history with Colin Sutton, former DCI Colin Sutton. And uh, Martin Clunes is playing Colin Sutton in the series. And uh, it's about a man called Delroy Grant, who was nicknamed the Night Stalker uh, after he carried out a number of sexual attacks on the elderly for almost 20 years. He'd enter the homes of victims in the night by breaking through open windows or removing a window pane. The serial rapist attacks began in the 1990s and in 1998 a unit was finally established to catch him. However, due to possible missed chances by the police, Delroy was able to continue his attacks for another 10 years. His victims ranged from the ages of 69 to 93 and while most were women, 10 of them were men. Um, so that was headed, the the Operation Minstered, it was called, was headed by Colin Sutton and he was actually drafted in to review it. Well, that's the point, is that it wasn't originally headed by Colin. He was, as you say, drafted in because they senior command at the Metropolitan Police were looking at these things. This guy is apparently attacking with impunity. His MO was, as you say, always the same. He would remove a, um, a window pane, he would break in. A particular thing he always did was to unscrew all the light bulbs as well. So the victim couldn't, even if they tried to turn on the lights, they would be unsuccessful in doing that. And he was, you know, somebody who would sexually assault his um, elderly victims. And, and he had this bizarre thing as well where he would sexually assault them, but then he would kind of appear to be caring and compassionate. And it was a, a weird, weird, weird kind of combination 
and and way that he behaved and something that's reminded me of all those weird uh mo's was the series actually visually representing him lining up ornaments exactly that he would take and putting all the uh, light bulbs in the sink and all that kind of stuff and that's really interesting and yet despite this particular characteristic mo um minstead had been unable to catch him he you know 10 years after its founding it was still or eight years after its founding it was still uh, he was still um apparently active i mean yes there were long gaps where something would happen he would go quiet maybe for a couple of years but then he would resume his offending and colin was brought in when he was on crime watch uh, correct and colin was brought in because i think the senior officers realized they needed something different the tradition you know what we were talking about a minute ago the traditional um kind of uh, catch a catch a criminal 101 you know play playbook wasn't working out um and what colin did was he looked at the maps, he looked at the geography, um, he got his investigation team together, he talked to other teams who had had similar criminals operating in their areas, and he realised that the reality was the best way to to catch this guy was to bank on him carrying on offending and to bank on him staying within his area. Now, Colin would have liked to have covered a much larger area, but that would have meant a force of many hundreds of officers, just unrealistic. So in the end, they looked at where he most offended and they targeted, I think, a couple of dozen streets in that area with a high, high, high police presence, police officers hiding in flats, hiding on first floor buildings, hiding in cars. So every single street in this small area was covered and sure enough, that's how they caught him. He was captured um, if driving away from a scene. He was stopped. And, of course, in the boot of his car, they found his kind of nasty burglary, burglary rape kit. And there you go. And and, and so it worked. And I, I think, um, you know, what came across in talking to Colin was that, that they, they'd been really close to giving up on Colin's, you know. I think they'd, they'd carried out this high, highly intensive, very resources-demanding operation for a few nights with no luck and i i I get the sense from when we spoke to colin that you know it might well be that senior sort of management of the police had been within perhaps days or even hours of pulling the plug but luckily they caught delroy grant with delroy grant it was people saying no you you must have the wrong person not Delroy not him he looks after he's a full-time care for his wife his wife is severely disabled and he looks after her um he's the life and soul of the of the cricket team and and the pub and and um he plays music and he likes the street parties we have and people just really couldn't believe and literally thought we had the wrong man that we couldn't have the right man you know people think the job's about kind of detection and detective work and that and i guess it is there's a lot of it but you're a police officer first and a detective afterwards and when you're a police officer first that being a police officer is essentially about dealing with people and it's about talking to people and understanding people trying to get a handle on how people are going to react and how to talk to them and how to 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 strike up some sort of rapport with them so well, you've hit the nail on the head in what I wanted to ask. How do you reconcile yourself somehow? With, I mean, you know, now you've sort of walked away from the job. Mm. Do you Are you ever woken up at night thinking about... Does, did anything really kind of get you or unsettle you to that extent that it stayed with you, or does everything stay with you? No. Um, to be absolutely honest, no, I never wake up at night thinking about awful things that I've seen or heard or been part of. One of the great things that's come out over the last few years is the fact that there's 
recognition that emergency service workers, not just police, but fire fighters and, and NHS paramedics and, and NHS staff in hospitals, they have a chance of being frightened, of being stressed, of, of being affected by the traumatic things that they see. And actually, it's not good enough to just say, yes, that's part of your job. And if people can't cope with it, then they need help in coping with it and supporting. And that's something that's that's, that's happened really only, you know, it's only in the last few years. You know, the, every, every murder that was investigated by my team, they investigated to the nth degree as much as they possibly could, as much as we possibly could. Because even just as a matter of, you know, professional pride, we wanted to solve everything that was put in front of us, and we very nearly did. And some of the victims that we dealt with, you would have to say, became victims because of lifestyle choices that they'd made. Can I just ask you, Colin, because if we could just go back in time a little bit to, to Delroy Grant again. And um, so obviously you've just told us about, you know, how you met him and mm. when he was arrested and bonded over cricket. But yeah. when you were brought into that, because you were brought in to review the investigation, weren't you? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that... You're brought in. There is a team of officers there who will think they've been doing their best job. Yeah. What sort of pressures are on you and how do you go about managing that situation so you then get the best out of them and get the breakthrough that you need? It's been pretty tough. Um, I mean, it's, it's all at the front of my mind, so I've been writing it all recently. But uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, you, you, go, you go into it and, and you know, you know, nobody likes being reviewed. Nobody likes having their work raked over by one of their peers, do they? You know, and... and particularly if it's something they've done that's not been particularly successful or at all successful. Um, so th there's always there's that. I mean, the, the only thing that, that helped to a degree was that Operation Minstead took place exclusively in the sort of southeast corner of London. It was, you know, south of the river and east of the A23 and in London. That was the area. And it was the one part of London where I had never worked. So I knew... Well, I knew nobody on the team, you know, so because that even makes it harder, you know, if you're you're called in to rake over somebody who, who you've worked with and who's a friend of yours and, and you've got to look over their work. So that was the only good thing, really. Um, and I thought when I first went there, it was going to be sort of a matter of me being there for two weeks, come up with a few ideas or not come up with a few ideas and pull out again. Um, when I'd spent that two weeks and I'd looked at it and I'd thought there might be other ways of doing it, you kind of then have this decision could i have could i have gone to to my boss and said right actually i don't want to do this now you know I, I, there's your review there's what i think should be implemented can i go back to putney please and there was a big part of me that wanted to do that if what i'd done if what i thought was right and was going to work then actually it's quite nice to be there while it does work isn't it rather than give it to somebody i, I don't know it was it was a it was kind of a, a call that i felt i had to make in the event i don't think I could have made that call. I think I would have been told to stay there, whatever. But once I took it over, it was, you know, we were surprisingly fortunate, really, that the plan we had was seen by those above me to be desirable. There are a few elements which I, I would want to add. I think um, they had also tried so many things. And what Colin Sutton did was to just shift perspectives. And he brought that new perspective when he came in as head of the investigation, which wasn't an easy job. And that's testament to Colin's character. And that's something that... 
Ben, I'm hoping that you can shed a bit more light on because I think that's what we can add to what's happening on our screens with the fact that Colin is a particular type of person who can, for example, chat to people like Levi Belfield, who he ensnared um, as well. He managed to catch um, with his team and he works well as part of those teams. Um, But he also had to appeal for the funding for this huge operation. I wonder, like you say, they were hours away or days away from being the investigation perhaps being shelved again or that not being granted, um, that it was Colin's character and the way that he did things that helped move the investigation forwards. So they, he wanted, just by trying to kind of close in the net on him actually being caught in you know, offending, um, was that they tried everything else. Mm. And they didn't have resources, so perhaps it wasn't going as well as it could have done with DNA, for example, because they mixed up the DNA with another, um, another person of the same name as Delroy Grant, didn't they? Mm. So it led them to, um, you know, he slipped through their hands once again. It was just awful, awful. And he did appeal to, I mean, it, it, what is said in Manhunt is that um, he appealed to their human side because he'd written this big speech and he just abandons it in the one that I, I watched yesterday and he says look you know i've got a woman who is now in prison in well she she virtually was in prison in her suffering you know she had to pluck up the courage to say aged whatever she was 86 that she had been interfered with and those words you know he said these are our old people this is our community you know he appealed on a human level and that's kind of what it took in the last sort of this man was getting away with it for 20 years yeah i think i mean i think you know you know you you've you and i interviewed you know colin our podcast um and uh, i was you know got to know colin back at that time as well and colin's a very interesting character he's very genial very easy to talk to gregarious but at the same time, quite clearly, he's also very, very good with detail. He's very good. I mean, catching Levi Belfield involved analysing hours and hours and hours of CCTV, looking out for a particular white van that had key details about it. I think the rear windows had been painted in, and from recollection, it had damage to one of the front um, wings. And you know, those details and sort of putting together, putting together a sort of a, if you like, a, a web. Of, of evidence against an individual because you know both uh, Delroy Grant and Levi Belfield were not people who who left lots of DNA at the scene or, or made sort of silly mistakes so it became about putting together lots and lots of tiny pieces of evidence to develop a pattern that eventually enables you to catch this particular offender I think Colin's very good with details he's very good at seeing patterns very good at, at looking at where so I mean effectively what Colin did was he predicted where Delroy Grant would reoffend, he got officers into that area. Delroy Grant did reoffend, and he was caught. And it was a, it was as simple or as complicated as that. And so, and so, and of course, underneath it all, Colin, you know, despite as I said being very genial, very easygoing, very easy to talk to, he clearly has the kind of self belief that is absolutely essential if you are going to take a large group of people with you, and you are going to be to have the self confidence to be able to say, I need these resources. And I guarantee that if you give me these resources, I will catch this criminal. Um, you know, imagine, I mean, you know, it, you know, it's nothing you and I have had to do. Imagine if you are being told by the police, by your police managers, look, we've got limited resources. I can give you these, but it means that other crimes might go undetected. And you say, no, I'm sure that if you give me these resources, 
we will catch this guy because that's the that's the call you're making that's what you're effectively saying when you're just saying take these offices from those other duties they would be doing give them to me so we can catch this particular an vendor. unprecedented amount yeah yeah, well. yeah absolutely yeah so but i mean and, you know and the whole thing is really interesting and what i found really interesting yeah. is obviously you know watching individual scenes and seeing how they play played out as close as we said to how they probably did in reality but also i mean what struck me when we spoke to colin was him saying how odd it was um seeing martin and this is obviously in previous series because the one we're watching now hadn't aired when we interviewed him you know uh watching martin clunes well watching an actor play you watching somebody who has met you and observed you then translating it that into a performance of you and you know having obviously met and spoken to and interacted with colin many many times now watching martin clunes being colin is really interesting and actually Although physically they're not necessarily that similar, I definitely think that Martin Clunes has picked up some of Colin's mannerisms. Certainly mm. the way Colin speaks, as you know, Colin will often take a breath before answering. He's somebody who's often very measured in his response. And I think um, Martin Clunes has definitely picked that up. But I mean, you know, Colin did tell us some interesting stuff around that when we interviewed him. And of course, the other details in the show that, we, that Colin spoke to us about are things, for example, like the way that when they arrested Delroy Grant, um, Delroy Grant himself was was oddly relaxed, oddly again affable, and I mean even going to the extent of talking about cricket. Yeah, have a listen. Have a listen to this. This is DCI former DCI Colin Sutton meeting Delroy Grant, the Night Stalker. So, what are you batting or bowling? <laughs> <laughs> You're not into cricket, are you, sir? Yeah, but you still don't play. I do, as a matter of fact. Yeah, occasionally. You? Yes, yes, of course I do. And bowl. Oh, good for you. My knees won't let me bowl, but I can still swing a bat around as well as I ever could. Well, tell me, sir, what do you think of England's chances in South Africa? I think we could do with one more fast bowler, but uh, I think we've got a great chance. Yeah, man, that's what I've been saying. Well, that that just about summarises the man, I think. Um, and uh, I think with, um, with Colin Sutton, he is a mixture of so many elements like you say that it demanded attention to detail but the way that he or what martin clunes does very well in manhunter is pick up on how he finds a hook to talk to people you know some of the elderly victims for example you know he, he assured them that they were in the best hands they were coming out of this terrible ordeal and i've got to say that some of the contact that i've had with the police when things have happened that really really upset you you get a victim letter saying you know you report something which is difficult in itself most a lot of these victims didn't report it and neither did um some of the victims of levi belfield as well but colin went to them and appealed to say give your evidence anyway we can't bring your case to trial but what you can do is help other people from not having to go through what you've been through you know there's a very human element paired with this analytical element which is which makes for a really great very likable man i think absolutely in fact i mean we've talked about this and i'm thinking increasingly maybe what we should do is have them um, we've mm. never had anybody on the podcast twice um, but maybe we should think about getting Colin back to talk to us because, you know, I, I think... We... No, we've had loads of offers, though. Sorry. We have. <laughs> we have. People keep on trying to come back. No. Yeah. No, I just sort yeah, of... Yeah, OK, well, well let, let's maybe have a, have another chat with Colin because I'd, I'd really like to talk to Colin. Mm. Yeah, there are a few, yeah. And sort of picked it up and... Um... Also, we did more about 
we Levi did, Belfield yeah. because it's something that you yeah. covered. And um, by the way, you can listen to that. And it's very interesting to listen to in hindsight of this series, mm. um, just to give you a background on Colin. So that's episode 18. And I think it's called Manhunt yeah. as well. Um, so yeah, have a listen back to that. Cool. Right. Victoria, can I ask you yeah. a question now, moving on? Mm. Do you do you oh. ever worry that you've got subcutaneous fat that you should get rid of by a freezing process? If I said no, it might be a lie. <laughs> I do know someone who's had it done and it did look really good. Oh, okay, because I know somebody who had it yep. done and apparently has become a recluse because it's made her look <laughs> terrible. Well, she shouldn't have looked so good in the first place. Isn't this interesting? So have you seen this story about Linda Evangelista? Of course I have. I think did you alert did you flag it up to me or was it the other way around? I can't remember. I think we both we both spied it. I, but I, I have learned Nice glasses. I have learned nice about something called paradoxical adipose hyperplasia. And this is a rare and previously unreported adverse effect of cryolipolysis. Now cryolipolysis is this process that cele- I think celebrities probably primarily use to get rid of unwanted freeze your fat, fat. Yeah. freeze your fat freeze yeah. your fat freeze the fat freeze the fat away and this week or recently it was revealed that the the supermodel or the ex supermodel I should say Linda Evangelista now has now recluse. been has now come out and said that she's suffering from depression uh self-loathing because she had this process carried out and she had this bizarre side effect that instead of freezing the fat away the fat kind of reacts to it and actually doubles up in size so where she had Do you know probably... when i googled it but the, i mean well, you wanted I to really know what sorry. part of it it had expanded didn't you yeah i mean i've just got I'm, an I'm enormous like of... elbow maybe she's got a massive bottom like kenny everett when he was rod stewart in this <laughs> his bottom or Kim expanded. Kardashian <laughs> or Kim Kardashian yeah or I don't know I, I don't know which bit of her has expanded maybe she's now got a huge chin I mean where would you get fat taken out of if you're a supermodel I think I think I read it was somewhere around the sort of like thigh area a thigh area so she's got massive saddlebag thighs anyway she says that oh she can't God. work anymore not that she's working a huge amount before but um the thing is, I mean, I suppose I obviously feel a huge amount of sympathy for anyone who has a procedure and it goes wrong. That goes without saying, but I'll say it just in case. However, I think what's interesting here is you've got somebody um, in Linda Evangelista who throughout her life has effectively traded on her great beauty and is now suddenly having to face up to life where, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's self-inflicted or not, the point is that has been taken away, or at least she feels that it's been taken away. And it's fascinating the way that she says that that has caused her to spiral down into depression, mental illness, and so on. And it's... Yeah, I understand this. After having graced the cover of publications like Take a Break... (laughs) I know. I am am somewhat of a recluse because I work from home and that's reclusive, if anything. (laughs) These were the days when you wouldn't get out of bed for less than a tenner, whereas now you wouldn't get out of bed without your tenner. <laughs> you lot, hey, possible sponsor. Possible sponsor. Don't knock it. Don't knock it. It might leak. Buy me a coffee and some Inconti pants. <laughs> Actually, don't buy me a coffee because I only piss it out in my pants. Yeah, please don't buy me a coffee. <laughs> Has anybody bought you a coffee? Yeah, I've had a few more built. Okay, that's brilliant. Well, then you get you with all your coffee. Yeah. Oh, is that fuck, what... fuck you. Basically, 
<laughs> yeah, I've got my two pounds fifty. So okay, so speaking as someone who has graced the cover of Take a Break magazine, <laughs> so you clearly are totally on the same page as Linda Evangelista. <laughs> I'd like to say in my era, possibly a little bit higher. <laughs> well, indeed. So how do you how do you think? I mean, would you react in the same way if you suddenly found yourself About... with a massively fat bottom? I have suddenly found myself in that position. And I think I've dealt with it really well. You know, I've I've remained down to earth. <laughs> you haven't let it go to your head. No, I haven't had pants. to resort to buy me a coffee, <laughs> which all comes out in my pants anyway. <laughs> I'm having a look at Evangelista mm-hmm. at... At like what a recent recent pictures of her. And she's looking a bit like Gina Lola Brigida. Oh, Gina Lola You know, Brigida. the massive... The massive glasses oh. and the kind of big dark hairdo. How did you? What did you Google? Twenty twenty one or something? Mm, no, I just googled Linda Evangelista, and I'm I'm on Sky News, uh. the most recent one. Um, oh, I see. Oh my God! Yes, I see. I see. I see. Wow. Yeah. She. She's. Um. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. With the glasses, definitely. Yeah. Page six dot com. That's what I'm looking at. We do. I really want to know what swelled up. Maybe it was like something like a toe, like you when you had your toe job. <laughs> I did have a really bad toe job. <laughs> I can't find <laughs> it. I can't find what swelling. Answers on a postcard. If you know what's swollen up on Linda's anatomy, which bit of Linda is instead of up. depleted, <laughs> depleted, or we could just She's, imagine. There's definitely something. There's something of the sort of like a sort of chubby Jackie Kennedy about her, isn't there? Oh, I'm sure she wouldn't like to know that. She she might not be a fan of the podcast after. Where do you go to after you've been deformed by um, by cosmetic surgery? Not YDLMF <laughs> podcast, may I are you, say. Are you saying that we won't make her feel better about herself? Well, maybe. Maybe if she can identify with my um, my former supermodel status <laughs> and how well I've dealt with it all. Should I Google Victoria take a break? I suppose oh, I... I can't see. I can't see everything you see, but clearly because you're stalking I... me quite Do often. You see what you're the date. I you're see. the date. You're the afternoon stalker. <laughs> yeah, that's the old old story. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of my BBC work hasn't been, if you can call it, archived. I'm not sure um, because it's just been broadcast and gone away. Do you not find a lot of your workers not being documented unless it's online pieces? I haven't got a clue. I've and never mine even weren't. I don't I know. I don't. I haven't got a clue. I've never even looked. Have... Either way, that's really boring. I haven't looked. I don't know. Possibly. Ah, right. I'd like to now address what we're going to do about... (laughs) Sorry about the shouting in the background. (laughs) About miscarriages of justice. Stefan Klitschko, what you're trying to say, isn't it? Yes, we are in the process. Yes. So um, just so you know that that's another thing um, on a back burner because we felt that Manhunt at the moment sort of took precedence because it was being currently broadcast so it was actual the other story that we did talk about doing was um, obviously Sabina Nessa and the whole male violence thing but because proceedings are active there and people are under arrest we thought we might hold fire on that one until it's a little bit further down the line and Mm. we can speak more freely and uh, and if you've got anything to say about violence towards women I'd really like to hear it because I want to compile it and include it yeah all right, I think that's a wrap for a bye week. Yeah. I'd quite like to know about some food stuff, if there's anything pertinent <laughs> that you need to know. What you're having for Sunday lunch, I'd like to know. Okay, I, what, what I'm having for Sunday lunch? Yeah. Nothing. I don't. I don't. I often don't have lunch. I'll have Sunday tea, like a dinner. Can I turn this frown upside down? (laughs) Sunday lunch is one of the most important meals of my week repertoire. Well, what are you having for Sunday lunch? Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go! 
I'm going to cook up a kedgeree. Oh, I love kedgeree. Bless you. I love kedgeree. I love kedgeree. Bless you. I know, but I've I love kedgeree. Some, um... <laughs> did I, did, I, did oh I mention that I love kedgeree? No, you didn't. I love kedgeree. Can you say it another 20 times and spray it again? Oh, I might, I might suggest a kedgeree here. That's a nice... That's a good I know. Thing. Tasty, huh? Um, I've got some haddock in the fridge. <laughs> that's not a euphemism. <laughs> And I should really have some more types of fish. Oh, I've got salmon and haddock. That'll do. I, I, just, I, I just make kedgeree entirely with cod loin, usually. Cod, cod loin? Cod loin, peas, cod loin peas, curry and rice. Mm. Mm. Oh, you put curry? Yeah, hell yes. Kedgeree's got to have curry Oh, well, curry maybe it's it. not kedgeree that I'm thinking. I'm just thinking of rice and fish with some... I don't know. Okay, I'm rapidly losing in interest there, Whatever I I'm just going to tell you, I'm rapidly, oh, okay. rapidly losing oh, interest. Oh, come on. A lovely bit of salmon and haddock with rice. Mm. The fish flavour. Yeah, but it's it. not kedgeree. You, you you marched me up the hill and now you're marching me down again. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the old story? Oh, and also I've got to apologise okay. to my friend Neil for talking far too much about my shaving habits. <laughs> he actually, oh my God. We were emailing about a few, Neil, well we, done we, we, for we, getting we, that apology. We were emailing about a couple of other bits and he happened to mention, I'm still enjoying the podcast, but please less on your shaving habits. I mean, you could talk, oh, you could talk about your shaving if you want, Mitz, but I think I'll keep my shaving out of it. <laughs> oh, no one lets me. I cut it out because you start poo-pooing it when I talk about getting rid of the beard. But you like my beard. Do I? Yeah, you are a beard. Okay. Um, okay. And you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail don't forget the podcast at gmail.com yes. is us and ydlmf podcast on the old twitter arty yeah we get a bit on twitter and that's we? us yeah so thanks for all your interactions we love you for listening yeah. we love all our fellow podcasters yeah. you're always so nice to us uh we do really appreciate are they nice listening from the far-flung yes oh, okay, they are very have a look at our twitter Should I look um, at our twitter <laughs> bye everyone all right well lovely to see you <laughs> bye everyone bye bye have a good bye week yeah absolutely bye.